Optophobia, the fear of opening one's eyes. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you, our listeners, to move beyond that fear, to solve riddles they don't want us to unriddle, to investigate supposedly ironclad truths, to unearth evidence buried for so long they believed it would stay buried. Season 3. It started with a deranged Oregon magician who bit the head off a ferret during a holiday show for children. At least that's what we've been told. Since then, the disease called Kofefi-19 has raged across the globe. Yes, the virus has separated us, isolated us, shaken us. But it can't take away our sense of incredulity. We know that 5G cell waves make us more susceptible to the virus. That doctors Deborah Burks and Anthony Fauci lead the medical wing of the deep state. And that Bill Gates is seeding the eventual vaccine with nanocrystals to track our locations 24-7. We've been told less about the Redmond Institute of Virology, an Oregon-based BSL-4-level biosafety facility that just happens to experiment with ferrets. This season on Optophobia, we'll track down the distortions, the assumptions, the omissions. Are you bored by the lies? Open your eyes. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Franklin Bickley. Westworld is a popular prestige television show about greed, cruelty, and artificial intelligence. But Westworld is fiction, right? Our guest today has some thoughts about the blurry fact-fiction line that Kofefi-19 has helped to unblur. But before we meet our guest for today, I want to welcome my co-host for this week, smooth jazz enthusiast, Peachy Jennings. Peachy, how are you? Hi, Franklin. It's so good to hear from you and see your face, but hear your voice. You too. So what's going on in the world of uh, smooth jazz? There have been some really big changes for me in the last couple of weeks, Franklin. Tell us about some of them. So as you know, I, I volunteer at the, you know, the music section of the library. So I've been teleworking and actually the, I've been a lot busier. How does that work teleworking as a volunteer at the library? That's a great question, Franklin. So I, as I do at the library, I sit in a soft chair. Uh, and at my home, I sit in my softest chair. And I use an online platform called WebEx. It's by Cisco. And I just sit on it, recording myself for, from 9 to 11, my shift at the library. And anyone can log in and they can ask me questions about music they want to rent from the library. Okay, so this is kind of, this is crazy. So they have this this new forum that actually takes place in London, which is, I've never been to London. I've barely been outside of Barbersville, West Virginia. But they have this forum that you can meet up online of all these different enthusiasts. And I've actually gotten very close with the host of this forum. His name is 
Rob Mellows. Rob Mellows? Rob Mellows. And we're actually, I'm not even going to play with you. I feel like maybe there's a little bit of a budding uh, romance. So That's exciting. Yes, he's a big fan of Norman Brown as well. And so we'll see what happens. Oh, so he's a co-enthusiast, a co-smooth jazz enthusiast. He absolutely is. And he turned me on to a TikTok because I told I was telling him about my theories about Kofefi 19 and he let me know that there is a person who makes TikToks by the name of at ferret f-e-r-r-e-t the rodent underscore mamma m-a-m-m-a and he said I should check them out for some type of research you know just to kind of validate my theory and I swear to you Franklin it was absolutely terrifying. Remember I was telling you about how I believe that Kofefi 19 is being perpetuated by people doing dances? Well, this person is doing dances with ferrets. At Ferret Mama. Uh, don't forget the underscore. Is doing the TikToks. Yes. Dances. With. With ferrets. Yes. And that just proves my theory right there. That the, the dancing spreading of this viral dance sensation and the actual disease cause spreader overlapping and therefore spewing sickness and illness and also probably, you know, lies. But I actually, you know what? I did a little bit of research on this ferret mama. Yeah. Guess what her name is? I'm I'm trying to think if it's related somehow to the smooth jazz world. You know what? That would be a very good guess. Very good guess, Franklin. But her last name is Smate. Like Ron Smate. Lydia Smate. Ron Smate, the great baked potato? The great baked potato. Lydia there's, Smate. I haven't found out yet how there's a relation, but I'm doing my research. That is incredible. You have had a very busy couple of weeks. Very busy couple of weeks. Wow. Well, that's a great thread that we should start pulling, I think. Absolutely. I'm going to keep jotting down in my little in my little notebook. Let's keep looking into that. I want to get to our guests. So um, I just want to tell our listeners, if you're new to Optophobia, welcome to the conversation. Please check out our website, optophobia.org, where you can learn a little about our first two seasons. Unfortunately, this week's scheduled guest, McGillicuddy Stubens, was unable to join us. McGillicuddy has made waves in a number of subreddits like r slash Russia hoax, r slash fancy bear, and r slash squat kick dancing for his contention that video conferencing platform Zoom was founded in Russia as a kind of anticipatory companion piece to Kofefi 19. The idea being that we'd all be forced to communicate with each other by video during a pandemic and Russia could use Zoom's iris recognition technology to capture our identities through biometrics for use in future U.S. election interference efforts. So it seems McGillicuddy was partying hard with a bunch of college kids at Kofefi Beach Bash 2020 in South Padre Island last week. And after participating in a tapioca wrestling competition one night at the Tequila Chameleon on Laguna, he got a giant orange rash on his face, which has cinched his mouth completely shut. 
So we will have to have McGillicuddy on the show another time. But we lucked out this week because at the very last second, our producers were able to secure a really, really exciting guest joining us from his home in Bristol, exterminator and little league soccer ref, Jamie Bristol. Jamie, welcome to Optophobia. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Franklin Peachy. Jamie, where is Bristol the city? Uh, well, Bristol is the Twin Cities. There's Bristol, Tennessee, and Bristol, Virginia. Uh, and I was actually discovered, abandoned on the state line. Oh, I see. So, so you could say I was born in two states, um, and I've had kind of a dual a dual state ever since. So the border actually straddles Bristol. It does. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. And so that is why your surname is Bristol. That's right. I was, uh, as I said, I was abandoned as an infant uh, and discovered by the authorities of uh, both Tennessee and Virginia, right there on the state line. So uh, my surname is Bristol. Uh, my first name is Jammy, of course, which is short for Jamathan. Uh, I think they had written Jonathan down, but the paper got wet uh, and the ink ran. So I like Jamathan. Jamathan? Yeah, oh, Jamathan. Yeah, like Jonathan. Jamathan. Oh, okay. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And also, in my opinion, Bristol, Tennessee, Bristol, Virginia, the superior of the Twin Cities. Oh, well, I don't want to get into that. I've got friends on both sides of that line. <laughs> so, Jamie, where were you actually brought up? On which side of the line? Well, um, the authorities in Tennessee and Virginia couldn't decide which one would issue a birth certificate. So I actually was issued two, um, one by each. And uh, ever since then, I've, I've had dual identity, uh, dual citizenship, as it were. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've grown up with, with property on both sides of the line. Who brought you up? Were you brought up by the states? Well, you know, I spent the majority of my childhood in a public bus riding back and forth. Uh, attending math class over here in Virginia, attending social studies in, in Tennessee. And, you know, I, did, I didn't really have a lot of time to be home with any uh, parental figures. Uh, so I kind of raised myself. So you attended school in both places at the same time? Well, I had to. Otherwise, I would have been charged with truancy. You know, the birth certificate's just a way for the government to uh, create a paper trail and track you. And boy, howdy, I was being double tracked. One thing I will say, a lot of kids growing up did not like the bus. And I was always one who really, really enjoyed the bus. The front of the bus, the middle of the bus, the back of the bus. Sometimes I would even, you know, just hang on by just the little door, the emergency door handle exit on the on, at the back. You are speaking my language. Yeah. But the bus is a great place to people watch, to people meet. You know, uh, you can just chat to the bus driver as long as you stand behind the line. It was really a safe haven for me. Always in transit, never fully there. And how did you work your way into the exterminator business? Well, you know, it started at home like most things do. I had a, uh, I had a, a ferret infestation, as a matter of fact. And uh, I coaxed them out of my house. No blood was spilt. And I developed a real taste for uh, the creatures, the small ones, the little ones. I've never used chemicals. Uh, I've never used products uh, or tools of any kind. You know, I don't think that it's a fair fight to put a piece of cheese in a mousetrap. Um, I think it's got to be, you know, mano a mano. So when you say a taste for them, do, you don't mean that you consume them. Do you eat them? 
Well, I mean, if, if something is deceased and fresh, I think it would be a crime not to eat it, but I do not hunt for food. No, I exterminate. I, uh, I rid the house of unwanted house guests. That's my job. And so where it goes after it's out of the house, it's then who knows? It's out. Of, it's out of the house. It's out of my hands. My job has been done. Okay. You know, I- I'm contracted per job and I stay until the job is done. I actually spend a fair bit of my time living in houses now um, until I complete the task. So it's kind of went from the, from the public bus to, to living, you know, amongst the people. Or amongst the creatures until they are then exiting said premises. That is right. A lot of times when I've encountered exterminators, they all seem to have one like crazy story. You must know other exterminators. Do you have you heard any or do you have any? I mean, it's a, it's a little breach of confidentiality for me to be talking exterminator shop with uh, with an outsider, but lay people. With lay people, we're among friends here. I will say, you know, I've I've exterminated fruit flies, cockroaches, silverfish, bed bugs, termites, ant colonies, mouse houses, and uh, sometimes even human squatters. Uh, just you know, any any unwanted creature. But I did live for a time among the mice. That's probably my crazy story. I was at a real low point uh, in my life. I had just turned 18. I, I didn't know where I was going. And the mice took me in as one of their own. So there was a bit of a perverse incentive for me to not exterminate them, but rather to live amongst them. Um, not just for the free housing, but for the community. And how long did that last? Three years. Was there a hierarchy system among the mice? Oh, you betcha. You betcha. I would assume so. They're, oh, it's it's so complex. You know, with ants, you've, you've got the colony. You've got the queen. It's simple. Everyone's a worker drone. Uh, mice, they have, they have such relationships. They talk smack. You know, they, they share gossip. They shade each other. It's, it's very complicated, which is why it took me a few years in order to uh, fully earn their trust. So you're telling me that if I'm ever in a, in a residence where I can hear a type of mouse... And, you know, sometimes you hear it and and they make noises like that itself may be the mice talking smack to another mouse. They're spilling tea. I knew it wasn't just where's the cheese. No, there's no reason to talk that much. They know where the cheese is. They know where the pipes are. They know where the entrances and exits are. They have a language like we do, and it's used for social communication, usually to uh, to talk crap about people. When you spend probably three years in any community that's not your own, you probably do learn amazing things about that community. How did you leave that community after three years? You probably got so close. I did. It was it was very sad. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Sensitive subject. No, it's OK. You know, it's it's been a while now. Uh, the matriarch of the of the mouse house. Um, we called her ee. She um she was out um cavorting with some field mice. You know, there's field mice and, and house mice and and they you know, they they communicate with each other. They're not at war. Um and she was out there when when a red tailed hawk um made a quick lunch of her. The red tailed are the meanest ones. I mean, I can't fault I can't fault the hawk. Hawk's gonna hawk. Um it's just she was kind of the glue. You know, and then, you know, the society started to break down. A hawk may hawk, but a mouse has got a mouse. A mouse has got a mouse. You must have felt an extreme urge in that moment 
to exterminate the hawk. I'm not going to lie. I felt rage in my heart. Yeah. Um, and there was murder in my eyes. But, um, you know, I took, I took a few deep breaths and I said, that's not my house. You know, that's God's house out there. That's, the, you know, the sky. That's not my place. Very sorry for your loss. Thank you. Thank you, Franklin. So, Jamie, right before we go to break, I just want to ask a little bit about your uh, Little League soccer refereeing history. Uh, how did you come to that? Oh, boy. Yeah. You know, I, I like to joke that I uh, that I exterminate bad sportsmanship on the field. <laughs> just like I give, uh, I give red cards to unwanted house guests. So... I was uh, I was on the little league soccer fields, just didn't know what to do with myself, you know, as a kid, and uh, I started to see some bad calls, so I started to yell at the ref. Um, I guess heckle would be a better word, and I wasn't with either team. I was just in it for the love of fair play. Would you say that watching sports is maybe a hobby, or you're an enthusiast? Absolutely. I absolutely understand your passion. Yes. Yes, Peachy. Um, so at some point, uh, you know, I, th- I think between tears, uh, this adult referee yelled at me, you think you can do better? And, and threw his whistle down on the field. I picked it up and I've never looked back. He should have never asked a question he didn't want the answer to, Jamie. That's, I agree. Let's take a quick break and we will be right back with our guest, Jamie Bristol. Okay, we are back with our guest this week, Jamie Bristol. Jamie, you were telling us a lot about a a really amazing career that you have found in Bristol's, but we brought you on the show really to talk about, I mean, one of the more deeply disturbing and powerful explanations about what's happening to the world right now. So I'm really anxious to have you talk about this idea um, that you have written about on some message boards about Silicon Valley and Kefefi 19. It is really complicated, complicated stuff. You know, really none of the things we're talking about matter ultimately now that they've got everyone's genome mapped in the Google cloud. Real talk. Y'all are out here worried about facial recognition software, you know, and web browser cookies and do not call lists. Don't make me laugh. They've already mapped your mind and they can 3d print you anytime they want. The only reason they haven't yet is because you're not important enough to them. So the them that you are talking about, is that a determined specific them? Absolutely. Okay. That was one question I had is who is behind some of this mapping? You know, as you said at the start of this program, Westworld is a documentary. Uh, Michael Crichton was the Edward Snowden of his day. And, And all these movies are true. You can't make this stuff up. You know, Blade Runner and Black Mirror and Ex Machina and Stepford Wives and RoboCop. Coronavirus is a computer virus. It can only kill you if you are a robot. So the coronavirus that causes Kofefi-19, it's not a living virus. It's a digital virus. It was made on a computer, but it lives in robots. So every so-called death around the globe has just been a replicant remotely bricked by this highly effective malware. 
Not to take away from the grieving families, they definitely lost a loved one. They just lost that person days, months, or even years earlier. Uh, who's behind it all? The Chinese? The Clintons? The Keurigs? No. It's big data. It's Google. Who collected the data? Google. Who created the replicants? Google. Who's remotely bricking their own devices under the guise of a global pandemic? Google. It's like Jeeves. It's like back in the day, I never trusted Jeeves. Where did he go? Where did he go? You know, y'all talk about government conspiracy a lot, but Washington, D.C. is a shallow swamp. The real deep state is Silicon Valley. It's right there in the name. Valley. Capitol Hill. Silicon Valley. I had never thought of that before. Google phone, Google glasses, Google car, Google house, Google spouse. My mind is absolutely reeling, Jammy. And and the and the thing is, is we it the way society is now structured, it is nearly impossible to remain offline. Oh, you can't. So any way that I tap in, they are then tapping into my genome. They've got your genome. I mean, the real question. Uh, that we're all asking ourselves right now is how do I know if I am a replicant? Stop. I was just thinking that myself because if I'm not a robot, am I safe from the coronavirus? If it's a computer virus? As I said, the computer virus is only is only attacking and bricking replicants that have malfunctioned, okay? So if you are not a robot, you are safe from coronavirus, but you are not safe from the replicates having already achieved singularity. Oh, this is adding some different levels to my paranoia. Is there somewhere I can look to see if I'm a replicant? We know. How do you know? I mean, the short answer is you don't because they've got convincing replicant blood. Cutting yourself won't do a lick of good. All the hardware is so sophisticated. Good luck distinguishing it. But I have made a list. Um, You might be a replicant if... Wait, wait, before you get into that, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. on my fourth toe, starting at the big toe, working your way down, the fourth toe on my left foot, I have a very small, what I would consider a birthmark. I've known it, you know, my entire memorable life, let's say around five and up, that kind of looks like a barcode. Replicant. No, jammy, jammy. Don't tell me that. Birthmarks. It's on my list. No. You might be a replicant if. Birthmark. Okay. I'm going to have to do some self-monitoring in the next couple of weeks because I really, I have memories, valid, valid memories from my childhood. Do replicants have memories? You know what else has memory? Computers. Computers have memory. Oh, RAM. You're talking about RAM, aren't you? Memory. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, God. You know, Jamie's list does, the title of it has might. You might be a replicant uh, if, right? That's right. So, Peachy, there's hope. Okay. These are just a few signs that you might be a replicant if. Yeah, let's hear some more. Anyone has ever said they saw your doppelganger, that was your replicant, and you've since been replaced. Uh, If you've ever seen a ghost, that's just a programming bug. You're a replicant. If you've ever experienced deja vu, that's just an unwiped memory. If you've ever been abducted by aliens. My grandma was. Yep. 
replicant. That's just a Google stealth drone beaming her up for routine maintenance. I mean, she got to come back. And especially after my grandfather died, she did use a lot of Google Spouse. There you go. Makes sense. Um, if you can't roll your R's, the technology's still in development right there. Can we roll our R's? <laughs> Had me worried for a second there, Franklin. You know, I don't have any advanced degrees in robotics or AI, and I haven't spent decades, you know, at the NSA or Microsoft. I'm not a whistleblower. I'm just an outsider with a fresh pair of eyes who isn't afraid to use them. Jamie, what is the ultimate, what's the ultimate purpose or, or end game for whoever, I guess, or whatever is now controlling um, all of us? You know, that's the real question, isn't it, Franklin? Follow the money. Don't make me laugh. You know, phase one, sure. But we're way beyond that. Robots don't need money. Replicants don't care about anything except acquiring more knowledge. So replicants know that they're replicants? No. They don't know. I'm worried about myself. You don't know. You can't know for sure. There's got to be some litmus test of some kind. Well, by my estimates, the, the majority of people on earth are now replicants. And that's just by my estimates. I don't, you know, I'm not a statistician. Is there any way though that you could test if I'm a replicant? Well, you rolled your R's. That was a good sign, but you have a birthmark. Um, that's a bad sign. What's your first, what's your first memory? Uh, my first memory was definitely about five years old. Uh, I had a magician come to a birthday party uh, and there was a child there. Uh, her name was Stephanie Giesemann. And she was a friend, but also more of an acquaintance. And it felt like maybe she shouldn't have been at the party. It was just a numbers thing, maybe. Uh, and that's one of my first memories. That's a very human memory. That's good. That's a good, that's a good memory. Okay. Peachy, was there anyone juggling guns at your birthday party? Ooh. They, they weren't real guns. Or shooting anything out of the air like people would just throw something in the air and that person would just shoot it out of the air he did merge from the inside portion of the party to an outside portion where he then up chucked the ribbons you know the colored ribbons interesting well it sounds like that entertainer might have been a replicant oh god you know um i get asked all the time who are some celebrity replicants drew barrymore unquestionably no one's that cute Vice President Pence, obviously. Obviously. Well, he was created as a gay sex robot, but nobody wanted him. Um, so now he's kind of a Manchurian candidate. This will come as no surprise, Beyonce. You know, nobody is that flawless. Wake up, flawless. Go to bed, flawless. Must be replicant. Thank you. You know, in the 80s, uh, Polly Shore prototype malfunctioned so bad, he actually accidentally became a star. Now, that's really, really a crazy coincidence that you mentioned Polly Shore because I have a friend of a friend mm. who had, am I allowed to say sexual relations, Franklin? Oh, sure. They had sexual relations with Polly Shore, and they said it was not memorable. Was it robotic? She did say that he was a bit cold mm -hmm. and silvery and a hard exterior and a very tingy voice. We'll see. Sex robots have gotten a lot better. In fact, I would say now, if you have really good sex with someone, they might be a replicant. Um, you know, the tables have turned. It used to be that the cold robotic sex, definitely a robot. 
But now it's like, how'd you get to be this good? Now you're making me question my newfound, you know, romantically budding oh, relationship with Rob Melrose. I wish you the best. How do I know if he's a replicant? I wrote down your list and I will go through each question step by step. If he answers them all perfectly, does that definitely mean he's a replicant? Well, not if he's listening to this program. See, now they've learned the signs that we're looking for. They'll adjust. It's a cat and mouse game, really. And, you know, as an exterminator, I can see when I've been bested. Jamie, the purpose of Kofefi 19 is really just to take broken replicants out of the system. That is exactly right. They're, they're taking them back for for a complete revamp. A little maintenance is not going to suffice. I don't know. It seems like a, a sort of a dramatic way to do that. Uh, and I'm wondering if this is a new strategy you know, when you have that kind of power, there would be a simpler, quieter way. Now that we're dealing with, again, what I estimate to be the majority of people on Earth being replicants, um, the only way, you know, to, 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 to bring this sheer number of them back in was to hide in plain sight. I'm fearful. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but I, I have one more question for you, Jamie. What... What would be something that you would tell Optophobia listeners in order to kind of give them some peace about their own, just like Peachy, their own worries about and anxieties about their potential replicantness? You know, coming to me for peace is, uh, it's pretty funny, but I'll tell you this. The robots have one humanity is is over and we're being exterminated so all you can do now is to find your mouse house and just find your community and, and hunker down just be with them you know be with the ones you love and don't question whether they're real or not your love is real well those are some heartfelt inspiring words after some very troublesome thoughts i really hope that your little league kids it's probably good that, you, that you're there to help them through this. Are replicant children allowed to compete against non-replicant children? They shouldn't be. Okay, we're going to have to leave it there for now. I want to thank our guest this week, Jamie Bristol, and my co-host, Peachy Jennings. Of course, Franklin. Peachy and Franklin, it was such, a, it was such an honor to be on your esteemed program. Well, we're lucky to have you. Like I said in the top of the show, it was, it was great that we got you on. Please join us next week when our guest will be Sagaponic LaRousse, a freestyle lieutenant barista from Horntown, Oklahoma, who has written about her belief that after Kofefi 19, the globe will no longer be divided into nation states, but reorganized into colors instead. It should be very interesting. And I hope you can join us. Thanks for listening to Optophobia. I am Franklin Bickley, and I'll leave you with this. For every time you rest your head on your pillow, rest your feet twice on a different pillow. If you've got theories about Kofefi 19, we'd like to hear them. You can find us on our website, optophobia.org, or on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at, at optophobes. And please subscribe and rate the show if you like it. Thank you to Brian Brookshire, who played Jamie Bristol. Ryan teaches comedic songwriting and musical improv at Washington Improv Theater. He performs with Wit House Ensemble iMusical and An Evening with Georgia, Tennessee. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter at, at @correctbehavior. 
Aaron Murray played P.G. Jennings. Aaron performs with Madeline, a Washington Improv Theater house ensemble, and The Lodge. Follow her on Instagram at at Yearney B. Murray. Optophobia was produced by Tim Townsend. Our music was composed by Bart Warshaw. Cover art by Claire Smalley. Website by Chance Griffin. Thanks for listening. Until next week, keep them open.